This is episode 315, Be a Stand for What You Want in Your Life with Sebastian. Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you heard the last couple of coaches' corners that I've had. They've been so awesome. I had Gay Hendricks on. I had Mel Robbins on. So much deep wisdom that I've just been shared by our guests lately. So make sure and go back and check those out. I have another great episode for you today, and I encourage you to listen to the breakdown of this one, as I always do. Because this was this was kind of a tough one to get into, and I explain why during the breakdown and why I coached him the way that I did. So as always, stick around for that. Also, Inner Child Workshop is coming up October 8th through 10th. That's the workshop that I teach with my husband, all about connecting to your inner wisdom, your sensitivity, your creativity, your intuition, your just most magical parts of yourself, and that is your inner child. And oftentimes we have a wounded or shy or neglected or feeling abandoned or angry or all of the above inner child part, and that really does impact every aspect of our lives. In fact, you'll hear in the episode when I break it down afterwards how Sebastian's inner child is showing up in his relationship and how when you actually work with your inner child – relationships become so much easier. We hear so much about it's communication in relationship. Yeah, there's that. But if you haven't dealt with your inner child stuff, you really don't know how to communicate because you're going to be communicating from a place of wounding, from a place of patterning, from a time traveled place where you might be, you know, 35, 57, whatever in present day time. But if you haven't really connected to and healed your inner child, then there's a part of you that's still going to be a child feeling like you're with your parent or parents in your home life. All happens on a very subconscious level, but we go through all of this in inner child. We give you so much information, so much love. And everyone, this is the last inner child we are teaching live for at least a year, at least a year. We decided to do another one before the year was over because I'm just seeing so many people continue to be triggered by the events in the world, which can be very, very triggering. And the more you're grounded within yourself, the more you've dealt with your inner child, the less impacted you are by outside things. And the more you can actually get to your intuition and get to your truth, because it's hard to know what the capital truth is. There's so much just conflicting information about everything out there right now. And I think a lot of you are just feeling like, oh my gosh, what's true? Who do I believe? Who do I follow? What do I do? And a lot of that confusion is coming from the inner child. So the more you deal with the inner child, the more clear you've been. I've been able to be very, very clear about my choices, about the way I see the world, about my own, my own health and well-being, all those kinds of things because of the work that I've done in inner child. And I'm able to have a really successful, thriving, always growing marriage because both of us do inner child work and we bring that into the relationship. So go to christinehaster.com slash inner child to register. 
Again, christinehasser.com slash inner child to register. If you have questions, you can email jill at christinehasser.com. If money right now, it just makes it impossible for you to intend, then email again, jill at christinehasser.com. We always want to work with people. We want to make healing and this kind of work accessible to as many people as we possibly can and never want money to be the only reason you can't do something. So reach out to us. And then those of you who do have the availability to pay the full fee, and it's very reasonably priced for what you get, like a virtual workshop, three days where we come on and coach you and take questions. And Steph leads you through breath work. I leave you th- lead you through guided visualizations. I mean, there's so much you get in this workshop, you guys, so, so, so much. It's so, so reasonably priced. And those of you that can pay the fee or are willing to pay the fee, you help us do the scholarships and everything else. So it all works together. And also we sometimes have people reach out to Jill and say, hey, I want to pay for someone to do inner child. Like I've done it. I want to pay it forward or I know the value of inner child work. So if you're interested in scholarshipping someone, that's a really cool pay it forward act of service that you can do as well. Anyway, I hope you join us. Like I said, it's the last one we teach live. And if you can't make it live, that's totally fine because it's recorded. So you can go through at your own pace. But if you can take the weekend, it's a Friday, like afternoon, evening, Saturday, Sunday with breaks and all that kind of stuff. Then I encourage you to make that time for yourself, but you get just as much from it. If you watch the recording, once again, christinehasser.com slash inner child. So as you're listening to this call with Sebastian, consider Do you find yourself not really being a stand, like a firm stand for what you want in your life? Do you ever tiptoe around people afraid of upsetting them? Do you often feel disrespected in conversations or just not heard? Do you feel like you may have some codependent patterns and let people walk all over you or even just a little bit over you? And you often find yourself with emotionally unavailable or avoidant type people. So keep those questions in mind as you listen to my coaching call with Sebastian. And before we dive in, you heard me talk a lot about anxiety with my latest podcast guest, Mel Robbins. And it's great to have external things that support anxiety as well. And one of my favorites is Soul CBD. It's a great supplement to take daily when you're trying to balance your central nervous system. I've really seen a difference when I've used it in my efficiency and ease when running through a long to-do list or when you know, there's decisions I have to make and I'm experiencing some anxiety. I'm able to just drop in and finish it with much more ease. Now there's a lot of mediocre CBD products on the market. So I feel comfortable with Soul CBD because they're completely THC free, organically farmed, gluten-free and third-party tested for toxins. One of my favorite products are the gummies. They're so delicious and are a good like excuse for dessert. I love the coconut vanilla. They also have oils, capsules, and a topical, and even a CBD bath bomb. Love that. Really, really good to do before you go to sleep. It clears your energy, recalibrates your homeostasis, and bath bombs are just fun. They fizz away in the bathtub, and they're super meditative to watch, I think. And here's another really cool part. You get 15% off automatically and free shipping if you live in the U.S. when you go to mysoulcbd.com slash over it. Again, that's 15% off automatically. My soul, M-Y-S-O-U-L-C-B-D.com slash over it. And now on to my coaching call with Sebastian. Sebastian, welcome to the show. How can I help? Hi. Um, so I, am uh, just having some relationship trouble, I mm-hmm. guess. Uh, 
as we all do sometimes. Yes. Um, um, and I need some help. Um, so I kind of feel like my partner and I, and I know she feels the same way too, is that uh, like we've been having the same fight our whole relationship. And mm-hmm. uh, and so, like, I have my own ideas about what that fight is, and I'm sure she does too. But uh, we can't, we just can't seem to break the cycle, no matter how, how hard we try. And we've mm-hmm. been to one-on-one counseling. We've been to couples counseling before. Um, like, we love each other very much. And when things are going good, things are really good. And, like, well, there's never been any, like, physical violence in the relationship like sometimes things get said that are just uh really hard to let go from yeah yeah how long have you been together from the day we met like 10 years almost okay and well we have a son together as well so okay gotcha gotcha how old is your son he's five he's five and are you married or just partnered Married. Yeah, okay. we're married. Okay. We're married. And I know like a big thing for both of us is we want him to uh, experience and see what a healthy relationship looks like. And unfortunately, we're having trouble doing that. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Can you give me a brief description of the recurrent fight? When I say it's the same fight all the time, it's like, it's, it's different, but it, it fundamentally is, it's the same, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I guess one thing that happened recently is she she was in the bathroom and I was standing in the door of the bathroom and we were talking and like I was just getting excited about her new career or her new job mm-hmm. and I was saying all these things and and we had talked about this stuff before and I know that she had mentioned this stuff before but I was just saying like just getting excited about the possibilities or you could do this or you could do that kind of thing and like and I don't know what was going on with her, but she, she took it, started taking it personally as, and, as, and like even accused me of like stealing her ideas and, and making them my own or something. Mm. Mm-hmm. So there was this whole like nuance of sexism in there where it's like, and she even said like, oh, I just see a man stealing a woman's ideas and regurgitating them as if they were her own. It's like when stuff like that is Mm. said, Mm -hmm. it's like a personal attack for me. Yeah. Like that's like my, not only my intent, but my moral character and my, and like a breach of trust. And it's like, how do I, how do I come back for And how do I talk to her about, about how that feels? Because I've done that. I've done that before and I thought things were good. And then like some time goes by and then it starts happening again. Right. That thing, it didn't really blow up huge. Like there was no yelling and screaming. And in the end, we just uh, decided not to talk about it. But uh, it's just things like that kind of just stick with you. And uh, yeah. and I know that my partner, she says that I hold on to things mm-hmm. too much. Mm-hmm. I just need to let things go. And, but I don't think I hold on to that because I think I, I forgave her for like thinking those thoughts about me and even saying them, but I can't forget. Yeah. And it hurt. So would it be fair to say in terms of your relationship, there's a theme of you feeling disrespected? Yeah. 
I would say so. And I don't, if we could like summarize your major complaint, you're like your, your main, you know, this is what's hard for me. And then you could like summarize her, what she would say about what's hard about being married to you. What would you say? What would you say for you is hardest about being married to her? And what would you, what do you think she would say? Oh man, that's a good question. Maybe the hardest thing about, she might say, maybe living up to my expectations mm-hmm. or my level of, of success or something, maybe. Okay. You know, I don't, I don't expect her to, to like ever like live up to that or to, to like whatever contribute as much as I do or. Would she say something like he sometimes makes little comments about me or working or whatever that make me feel like he thinks I'm not doing enough with my life? No. What would she say? I'm trying to get an idea of like her main complaint with you. Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, it's always changing because our well, our family dynamic has changed recently because we she started a new career and uh, I guess I I also did as well. But her biggest complaint about being married to me, I'm gonna have to ask her actually. Yeah. Well, and that might be part of the problem. Like you guys are kind of so in a dynamic and in a, what, what I feel like is you're both very protective of your hearts and you really haven't opened your hearts fully to each other. And you get super defensive and protective and kind of go into your own corners. And like, you, you can talk about how things are off and there's repetitive pattern and give me some examples. But when I ask like, what's her biggest issue with you? It's hard for you to come up with something. Right. And part of how we heal in a relationship is really understanding the other person's perspective, which is hard mm-hmm. because, you know, we can sometimes feel attacked, but the one argument that you told me about where she, and of course I'm only hearing your side of the story, right? She might have a different yeah. version of it but where she basically spun it on you are quote unquote, typical man taking a woman's ideas. What that says to me is there's a lot of resentment of feeling really not seen and understood by you. Mm. I don't think it's that she truly thinks you're a sexist man who rips off ideas and words of of women. What, What I really hear in that is I don't feel like you see me. I don't feel like you adore me and I don't feel like, well, this is where her insecurity kind of probably slips in. There might be a part of her that feels like she's not enough for you in some way. And then you're on the other side feeling not understood, not respected, feeling like you're trying really hard, but then things kind of get thrown back in your face. And then it's like, what do I do? And your probably pattern is to retreat a little bit and just pull back and like not want the argument to escalate. And then you seem distant and then you seem like you're harboring resentment and she's like, you just need to let it go. But inside you're hurt and like, it's hard to let it go because you haven't really spoken your truth in the way that you needed to. Am I, am I on to something here? Yeah, you could be, but like, uh, I don't know where that leaves me because, well, that, that whole ar- argument started the way it actually started was, uh, like, she said it's it's such a confrontational way because it's like she said she's saying do you think I haven't thought of these things before but it's Mm -hmm. like I am 
feeling joy for her. I am feeling like adoration and love. And this is my way of expressing it by just genuinely being happy for somebody uh, who's succeeding and, and has nothing to do with me. Here's the thing in marriage. We love the way we want to love and we want to be loved. And part of having a really healthy marriage is understanding how that person needs to be loved and how that person needs to be seen. And it sounds to me, and couples therapy is great. What it can do, though, is it can keep two people from working on their individual family of origin issues that have got them into the dynamic in the first place. But what I feel like if I was mediating a session between you two, I would really have you get curious about what the other person needs. So like if I asked your wife, you know, how do you need Sebastian to show that he's proud of you and to show that he's really excited for you? In what way does he communicate that to you? Her response may be very different than the way you do it. But since you think you're doing it right, you think that's enough because from your perspective, you are doing it right, but it's not maybe the kind of right that she needs. And so she lashes out in ways that make you feel disrespected and make you feel like, whoa, that wasn't at all what I meant. Is this making sense? Yeah, it, it could, that could be it. And I'm definitely willing to explore the, the possibility for sure. Yeah. And it sounds like you really, you love your family. You want to make this work. Would you say that you're a guy that kind of lives in your head and is pretty logical or are you more of an emotional heart-based person? When it comes to loving people, I would say I'm more of an emotional heart-based person. I'm more in like everyday life. I can be a pretty logical kind mm-hmm. of person. And that's going to carry over into how you look at your relationship and how you try to quote-unquote solve problems. My guess is when there's tension in the relationship or a pattern, and this is very typical, especially you know for people that are more masculine, is to go into fix-it mode, to go into trying to logically understand why it's happening instead of really going into feeling mode and connecting on that level in terms of like what your partner needs and what you need. Like when's the last time you and your wife have sat down and really talked about what you need from each other? Not expectations, not chores around the house you want done, but like emotionally what you really need, how you want to be seen, how you want to be heard. When's the last time you sat down and had that conversation? Yeah, that's really difficult. Um, like I get the impression or the feeling that, that my partner can be like emotionally unavailable. So like, and I don't know if maybe I'm not doing it right, but I feel like when I do open up and be vulnerable, about like how I'm feeling or what I'm concerned about or like what kind of emotions I'm dealing with. Like uh, it's, there's resistance or there's, Mm -hmm. there's, she's not receptive Mm -hmm. or, Mm -hmm. or, or shuts me away. Yep. Even. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Problem. Yep. I, I, and she's even gone so far as to say that like that it's, too overwhelming to deal with my emotions or and and so that that it's just a source of stress and anxiety Wait, she says it's too overwhelming to deal with her own emotions with my emotions like when i open up and be vulnerable about my emotions 
so it's like there's this emotional unavailability that's that that like uh kind of has me pretty pretty shut down recently yeah like yeah it definitely sounds like there's some walls up that she has and she throws some daggers at you I, I get that and I get that's really hard and I get that you know you're the one on the phone with me trying to sort this out and feel. And so what I want to ask you is this, do you think that your wife is willing to do the emotional work that is required to really get you to the next level of your marriage and relationship? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, I really don't know. That's another thing that I should ask her because- yeah. Like I've said to her, like, like I, I really wish she would go talk to someone about this again, like maybe get into counseling or go to emergency counseling. She said she would go to emergency counseling, but then she never did. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she talks to her mom about it, but I don't know if she even talks to her friends about it. So it's like she's not getting the, anybody's outside opinion on what's, right. what's going on. Well, and her she, mom and her friends are the worst people to talk to about it because they're yeah. going to take you're going to take her maybe side she, for sure. She has some pretty good friends, but yeah, may, maybe you're right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And her, her mom is pretty amazing too. So I, I, I like, uh, but yeah, they are going to be uh, somewhat. Yeah. 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 Well, it sounds to me, Sebastian, that you're really trying and, and, you know, I kind of went one direction with you to show her perspective and, to see that, you know, you maybe not know, you maybe don't know a lot of what's going on with her and you weren't defensive and you were really open, which tells me that there's not a lot of resistance on your end to looking at things and admitting where there might be issues. And that's great. That's great. That's great feedback that you're willing and open. And then when you tell me, and again, I'm just hearing your side that she kind of shuts you down when you get emotional She's not willing to go to therapy. She's not willing to do the work. You're kind of dealing with someone who's avoiding and isn't coming to the party in terms of I'm here, I'm willing, and are you going to join me? Yeah. We used to have somewhat of an anxious avoidant attachment. Mm -hmm. And then, but like in the, in in the past year or two, I've, I've been really working on that. Yeah, so we would get into a fight, and then she would want to end the fight, but I would want to continue, like I would want to continue talking, and she would want to stop talking, and and that sometimes I would even like, she would like try and run away into a different room, and I would follow her or something, and so uh, it's taken a lot of work for me to stop doing that to like respect her boundaries when she says that the fight's over and. Recently, I went to, uh, I did, I did a round of uh, like couple, not like one-on-one counseling and kind of came to the realization that I'm like a little bit codependent. So Mm -hmm. I've been working on that and Mm -hmm. trying to, you know, set firm boundaries. And I think ever since I started trying to set boundaries more, I think there's been more chaos in our relationship, uh, which is understandable. It's to be expected, but, uh, at some point, like someone's got to give, we got to get on the same page and we got to work. 
work or, right. or shit. And that takes two. And I would agree there's probably some codependent stuff there because you, there's been some – in the little you've told me, there's been some manipulation and there's been some comments that aren't coming from a super loving place. I'll just leave it at that. And I think you're at the point, in my opinion, where you really need to stand – in your strong, healthy masculine and say to her, I'm in this, I'm fighting for this, but I can't fight alone. And if you're not fighting with me, then I don't know how we're going to do this anymore. And fighting with me looks like this means you get your own counselor or therapist. We have someone we see together and we start breaking out of these patterns. We're 10 years in and I don't want to continue like this anymore. I love you and I want to know, are you in or not? Yeah, that's kind of my sentiment. Yep. I think you're at that point because again, you're here talking, you're looking, you went to individual therapy, you've made requests. And look, I know you're, you're not perfect. If I was talking to her, I'd hear all her side of things, but I'm talking to you right now Yeah, sure. and I'm hearing you own things. I'm hearing you have some level of self-awareness. I'm not hearing you throw her under the bus. I mean, you're sharing things that are real, but you're not attacking her. And there's a real willingness on your part, but it takes two. You can't do this relationship on your own. And I think part of what's scaring you is if you really do get strong and get to that point where you're really calling her forward... I think there's a part of you that's scared she won't step up and you'll lose this relationship. Yeah, I think you're right. So you're kind of just like enduring. I think part of me feels like I have to because even if it's even if the relationship isn't going to work like I don't want like I don't want my son to go through like a nasty divorce or something like I'd rather just I guess part of me just wants to like kind of stay strong for him. and Well, sometimes staying strong for a child is getting out of it because right now he's seeing his dad kind of codependent and pushed around. Yeah, maybe. And listen, I've been doing this for a long time and I can't tell you that adult children of divorced parents are worse off than children who were raised in a home where the parents' marriage was shitty like staying together for the sake of the kids in a bad relationship, really, I don't see that being so great for kids because they see the bad relationship rather than parents moving on and being healthy and taking care of themselves. And it, it may not go there. It may not go there, but you can't let your fear of it going there keep you in this pattern of not standing up for yourself. And not standing for the relationship because you're not just fighting for yourself. You're fighting for the relationship. You're saying, hey, I want out of this pattern. Like I want us to break through our walls and our family of origin stuff and like use this relationship to heal and grow. Are you in or are you out? And that's a powerful place to be. And I don't think you want to spend, you know, the rest of your life or at least until your kid's 18 or however old you think is reasonable to get a divorce in this situation where you're wanting something 
and not being met. And you will wither away as a man if you continue to do this. And that's what your son will see. What's coming up for you as I say that? I don't know. I think a lot of guilt and shame is being released from Mm -hmm. like having these thoughts already and feeling like I shouldn't be thinking this way. Which way? Like thoughts about ending the relationship or thoughts about not wanting to be in a relationship where my needs aren't getting met and the person that I'm with doesn't want to do the work to make things Mm -hmm. healthy. Well, I hear the guilt and shame, Sebastian, and what that tells me about you is there's some really low self-worth that you're dealing with. Because for you to have guilt and shame around taking care of yourself and getting your needs met means that you think pretty low of yourself on some level. And this is your lesson and journey in the relationship is looking at how your own self-doubt, low self-worth, insecurity has impacted how you're showing up in this relationship and how you show up for yourself. Because there's no shame in wanting to get our needs met. And it's healthy to have needs. Yes, we need to learn how to fulfill our own. But in a relationship... There are needs we have from the other person, and it's okay to have those. Right. It's not like I don't get any of my needs met or like, and like most of the time things are really good. It's just sometimes we go through rough patches, I guess. Yeah. I I don't, I don't know. Maybe there are some self-worth issues, but they, like, I don't really feel like, like I have low self-esteem. Okay. I feel like pretty confident most of the time. Sometimes there is doubt, but I feel like it's like a normal amount of doubt. But when it comes to thinking about ending the relationship, I think it's really hard to talk to that talk. Like, I don't know how to talk to her about that stuff without sounding like I'm holding the relationship hostage. Right. Well, you wouldn't be saying, you wouldn't be giving her an ultimatum necessarily about the relationship. You'd be saying... I want to fight for this. Do you? Yeah. That's not holding the relationship hostage. That's actually holding the relationship at a higher level. Okay. Because I I have talked to her before about how I feel like we're in this cycle and I don't want to be in this cycle with her anymore and, and how I'm starting to feel different and, um, how like, I just want to break this cycle and I keep using those words because they're safe. Well, they're safe and they're they're not personal. Like it's not like I'm I think that she's the problem. I think that I don't think that I'm the problem or that she's the problem. I think that we have a problem and we need to solve it. Right. And I would use stronger words like that. We have a problem, we need to solve it. Both of us are playing into it. We both got to look at ourselves and the relationship. I'm willing, here's what I'm willing to do. What are you willing to do? Just saying we got to break the cycle isn't getting through. Yeah. It's not enough. And this is where you got to step into all this confidence you say you have and really be a stand for yourself in the relationship. Right. Okay. That's what I would do in terms of a next step to see if you can at least get her on the same page and go, yeah, we have some patterns. We have a cycle. I'm willing to look at my end. I appreciate you looking at your end. Like, let's do this. 
I don't want, I don't want a mediocre relationship where we have good times and then bad times. I really want a thriving relationship that our son can learn from. That's the level of intention that you need to be met with. And if you're not met with that kind of intention, then, you know, that's the bigger issue at hand here. You don't want to fight for this relationship alone. No. No. So do you think you can take that step? Have a carefrontation conversation with her? Yeah, I think so. I think that I should take some time to um, put my words together carefully because I don't really, I want to be careful about what I say or how I say it. And I appreciate that. And that's great. And you also don't want to be tiptoeing around your wife. No, I don't want to be tiptoeing around either. So speak your truth. If you want to jot down some notes, that's totally fine. But don't speak it in a way where you're constantly wondering how it's going to land with her. Speak your truth from your heart. Because the codependent part will try to spin it in a way that won't upset her. Right. And that's what you want to break free of. Right. I believe in you. I believe you can do this. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much, Sebastian, just for your honesty, your vulnerability. As I say, I love to have men on the show. There's definitely more females who call in, so it's great to have men on the show and also talk about relationship issues and hear it from that perspective as well. And, you know, this was an interesting conversation to have because, you know, most of the guests on the show, when they're talking to me, there's a little nervousness because it's the first time they've called into a podcast. And a lot of times people have to go sit in their car because (laughs) they don't want to have the conversation at home. And I know Sebastian had to do that and it was really hot. And anyway, he really just showed up with so much honesty and vulnerability despite the fact he had to sit in his hot car to do this, to have this conversation. And, you know, whenever I'm dealing with someone or coaching someone on a relationship, I know that I'm only hearing one side. And I know that side is going to be biased, even if someone doesn't want to be biased, because there's two people, right? And and the exact same thing can happen between two people and they can see it differently. And I know I've had arguments or discussions with my own husband and he's like, this is what happened. I'm like, no, this, this is what happened. And we're both convinced that we're right. So whenever I'm coaching someone, I really start with not playing devil's advocate. I don't like that word, but like the hearing the other person's perspective, really trying to kind of put it in the other person's perspective. And so where I went first was, what's her major complaint? Like, do you really know what's upsetting her? And are you really giving her what you need? And an important point for all of us in relationships or friendships, any kind, anytime there's any kind of intimacy is we often love and give the way we want to be given to and loved and not necessarily the way that person needs it. So I went down that road with him and you know, he was really open and he wasn't defensive. And so we kind of had to switch gears because when he told me that story about what his wife said about sexism and, and seemed to be, again, again, I'm only hearing his side, seemed to be fairly charged, that put up a little alarm to me that there's something deeper going on with her. I mean, for her to kind of go off on the sexism male thing, there's some, probably some 
wounding with men. There might be things with her father, really not feeling seen, maybe feeling patronized or treated badly or, you know, her perception of how he is in the relationship. There's more there than just that comment. So what that made me feel is there's probably some resentment on her side and he's trying and trying and trying and often feeling disrespected, but she probably feels unseen. And if he doesn't even know her major complaint in the relationship, could that be because she's just emotionally avoidant or could that be because he is so nervous about pissing her off or having her leave the room or whatever, if he's involved in that codependent behavior, that he's really not showing up and dropping in as healthy masculine and being like, look, I am here. I love you. What do you need? So it's kind of hard to know, you know, what's really going on here. And you even heard at the end, when I started going down the self-worth path, when he said that he has shame and guilt about getting his needs met, there was a defensiveness that went up in him. There was a, oh, I don't know kind of, that doesn't resonate. And I always respect when someone says that doesn't resonate. And sometimes that is completely 100% true. And I'm a thousand percent off and other times it's resistance. And I don't know which is true in this case. I have a hunch that it was some resistance because with the codependent patterning, with the really not feeling like he's getting his needs met, with feeling like he tries to talk to her and his vulnerability is shamed or disregarded in some way, that to me says there's some low self-worth because for someone to be in it this long with someone who's avoidant, there's some self-worth there. And also he said, you know, most of the time things are good. We just go through a few rough patches. Okay. If most of the time things are great in your relationship and there's just a few rough patches, would you call into a podcast? You know, and again, I'm not questioning Sebastian, but you've heard me talk about you guys, how we often have a high shit tolerance and his perception of most of the time things are good. That may feel really true for him, but if we were in their relationship watching, we'd probably go, Oh, this isn't, I don't know if this is looking so great. Like this could be way better if some stuff was handled here. And this is where the inner child comes in because the inner child, again, who built up the high shit tolerance, the inner child, right? Not getting needs met as a child, having an emotionally unavailable parent. We can tolerate a lot more and think things are better than they actually are. So there's some inner child work here for Sebastian and his partner to do because one of the reasons they're having a hard time communicating and they're in these cycles is because there's inner child wounding. And it's hard for them to be in present moment and actually be able to say, this is what I need, this is what you need, and get to that because it's not just about communication. Like I said in the intro, communication, if if communication solved every issue in relationship, we could all just read communication books and have the most amazing relationships and friendships and parental relationships and, and everything. It would be easy. It's not. We need to do the inner work. And again, I know I like bang on about it because, but I've seen it since I started coaching in 2004. The inner child work is so where it's at so often because we play out our childhood stuff in our adult life, especially in relationship. We play out our family dynamic in relationship. So if I had more time with Sebastian, I would have dug into what's your relationship with your parents, specifically your mother. What was it like at home? How did you get love? But I felt for him the most important thing 
was to help him be a stand, to help him and encourage him to kind of get out of this pattern of trying to fix it, of, you know, there was definitely a logical kind of fix it energy that he went into a couple of times trying to figure it out, figure it out, figure it out in his head. And also I feel he has a very tender heart, not in a weak way, but in a, you know, it's healthy to have a tender open heart. But the the thing that was really missing was him stepping into his power and being like, I'm a stand for this. Are you? And that's not an ultimatum. That's not, if you don't go to counseling, I'm leaving. That's an ultimatum. That's a threat. But being a stand for someone and asking someone if they're on the same page is about clarification, not an ultimatum. So I think some of you get in situations in your life where you're like, I don't want to give an ultimatum. No, it's not an ultimatum. It's not a threat. There's a big difference between an ultimatum and a threat and saying to someone, this is where I am. Are you in or not? Because if you're not, we have to have another conversation. Like we, I just need to know if you're on the same page in terms of how we're going to fight for this and how we're going to like be better role models for our son. And that's where I'm encouraging Sebastian to really step into his healthy masculine energy to deal with some of that low self-worth stuff that I feel started in childhood, where it starts for all of us, and be like, I, I love you, I love our family, and I'm, I want to lead this, and are you in or are you out? And often, someone, especially with avoidant patterns, needs that kind of directness. Because if he keeps walking on eggshells and tiptoeing around, she'll keep in her avoidant. And again, I just want to say, I'm only hearing his side. So if I heard her side, obviously I'd have a lot more to say, but the dynamic, at least part of the dynamic seems pretty clear to me. And I think there's a part of her that's wanting him to stand up and wanting him to lead and really be in his healthy masculine, because it does sound like from that comment, there's some masculine wounding and she doesn't want him to take charge in a uh, patriarchal, authoritative, like grabbing you by the hair, woman, and taking charge. Not bad at all, but in that healthy masculine. It sounds like she needs that experience with that healthy masculine energy. So that was my recommendation. It was a simple one, but I think a very important one for Sebastian and as a takeaway for all of you. You know, where are you having a high shit tolerance and where are you not taking a stand because you're afraid to ask for what you want, because you're afraid to piss somebody off, because you're afraid of, you know, your security falling away. And remember, security doesn't always mean it's best for us. What we think is safe and secure is often just familiar. You know that. I'm just reminding you. So your takeaway is take a stand. Be really clear about what you want and where you're going. And if people in your life aren't aligned with that, then there's another conversation that needs to happen. Because if you aren't a stand for what you want in your life, who will be? How are you going to get it? We have to be bold when it comes to things like love and our families and our health and our well-being and what's important to us, we must take a stand. And again, not a stand against anything or anyone, but a standing up for this is what I value. Are you in or are you out? That's the show for today, everybody. Sending you so much love and many blessings. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Over It Non With It. I love hearing from you. So please post your comments or questions at christinehasler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe on iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehasler.com. 
Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings. 